Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. This podcast episode is sponsored by Ahrefs. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and my guest today is Bo Poxtafel, the Chief Executive Officer of Contentino. In today's episode, we'll talk about how a social media management tool has evolved over the years. Before we start the conversation, I wanted to discuss a common issue that a lot of my listeners are facing, and that's getting website traffic. As someone who's been in their shoes, I can tell you it's frustrating and very time-consuming. But there is a way to take the pain out of the process. You can use an all-in-one tool like Hrevs to get access to multiple SEO tools that will help you rank higher and drive more traffic. Currently, they're offering a seven-day trial for only $7. You can sign up for it at hrevs.com. They also have an engaging blog and a brilliant YouTube channel that has step-by-step SEO tutorials. Don't forget to check them out. All right, then. It's time to dive into the conversation now. Excited having you on the podcast today. I think some, some good stuff, and I'm excited to hear about your guys, what you guys have built over the last four, was it four, four and a half years, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's it's about that. 2016 yeah. was the was the was the start official. That's awesome. Well, good, good. So hey you guys, we got Bo on the podcast today. Um, the are you the founder or co-founder? You have a partner, correct? Woo, kind it's, of. It's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say the story <laughs> is kind of complicated. Uh, yeah. I, I would I would say I'm a co-founder. Uh, well, we, we started as a spin-off, right? So it was ah. not, the initial idea was not mine. I just, I just took it in my own hands and, and built it up from, from the MVP. So am I a founder or I don't know, but I have, I have partners I work with and I, yeah. co-founders. you've got a good, you've got a good team. You don't want to take all the credit, but you're probably the face of the company and probably what most people know about without getting the politics behind the scenes and knowing who's involved there. So <laughs> Yeah, before we jump into that, because I'm, I'm excited about to talk about that story today. I mean, that's the reason why we have on the podcast today. But give us a little background in yourself. I always like to get a little background story on, on the people that we interview. Like um, where now I know where you're at currently, but let's talk about where you grew up. Like, where did are you actually in the same place where you grew up? Kind of give us a little backstory. Yeah, so, so, so I was born and raised in uh, Bratislava, which is the capital city uh, of Slovakia. Not Slovenia, not Czechoslovakia, it's Slovakia. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a lovely country, small country in the middle of Europe. Uh, and, and growing up in a city like this, uh, it's it got a lot of advantages in a way that it's uh, very close uh, to Vienna. It's like uh, half an hour of drive to Vienna, two hours of to our drive to Budapest, for for our drive to Prague, so so all these cities are kind of close. So it got some impact on me uh, when I was growing up. So yeah, that that's where I'm that's, from. That's that's what, that's what I love about Europe, man. Because I when you go to Europe, one thing that I've always been very envious of people that live in Europe is that you know you you everything's so close right i mean you have other countries that are for you it's a half an hour away an hour away two hours away of like cities that are just absolutely insane of nothing but amazing culture and amazing people so i'm in sacramento california so the reason i live here is because san francisco's an hour and a half away i've got the beaches an hour and a half away but that's all americans which i have nothing against americans because i'm american i love americans but like the fact you can like jump a border and go to a totally different culture totally different languages the other thing that i've been super exactly. envious of is different languages like there's so many right so it's like in the u.s there's 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 spanish and there's some other languages but most people that i know and i'm going to ask you this question put you on the spot how many different languages do you know that you could probably get away and speak and i i can speak free uh i can i somehow drunkenly can speak uh, the slavic languages like polish russian ukrainian 
Croatian, all those Slavic languages. But so we're all the same. Like when when it comes to when we start drinking, our I, we think that our language gets better. So I was Spanish. I used I went, long story. I went to school in Costa Rica and and was almost probably fluent in Spanish. I'm not fluent anymore because I haven't used it. But as soon as I have a beer or two, I've, I feel like I'm fluent again. I start speaking, you know, you kind of feel like you're like, you got it a little more. So that's what I'm, that's what I love about it is that you speak three languages, but you're like, well, really five or six and I can get away with this. And that's what I love. Like the people in the U.S. and once again, love the U.S. folks, but it just, we don't have that. Like we speak maybe one, maybe two languages, three languages. You must be from Europe and you moved here, you know, but I love that. Like you have that where that possibility and, and just to, to be able to learn and, and the culture I think is, is awesome. I've always been super envious of that. So, so how big was your family growing up in Slovakia? Well, it's, it's a very usual size when it comes to size of a family. It's, I have, a, I have just a sister, uh, mom and dad, very harmonic. Um, and when I think about it, all the whole, uh, the family tree is having two children. It's, it's very common to have two children here. So, so yeah, I, I, my family is very, very harmonic. Love them. Actually, uh, a lot of credit. I give a lot of credit to them, uh, for supporting me and for being where I am. So, so yeah. It's awesome. You got mom and dad supporting you and little sister didn't bother you too much. It sounds like she supported you as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, interestingly, she's when it comes to family, she already has a family, even though she's younger. Uh, so she took a different path. She took the responsibility of uh, teaching their kids to to be a good people, right? I, I I took the different path to to teaching the not not really teaching, but um, you know Probably the business educating path. the world educating yeah, yeah, the world yeah 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 we, we all have different avenues we take and it sounds like your sister is raising good kids which is you know uh, that that's a good worldly way to look at things and, and to get things done to be able to to raise them to be good people so that's that's i think that's international and should be worldwide that's awesome and so you're you're currently in Slovakia right now correct yes you still live yes there? i i returned i returned in 2016 back in Slovakia i'm not planning to relocate uh well, I'm I'm turning 30 next year, so so I'm kind of like, well, it's maybe the tipping point when you start thinking about family and stuff, uh, having the own my own family. Uh, so, and this is definitely a place where to where to raise your children. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you're in the middle of it all right there. That, that sounds like I'm a little envious of that. I got to be honest. So what about what about growing up, man? Because obviously there's, you know, I have a heavy, heavy US-based audience. And like growing up, is there any interesting facts growing up? Like anything fun that you're like, oh, this was a little different, or you know, I didn't realize it was different until somebody told me that it was. Anything fun? Hmm. Anything fun? I just I, <laughs> the first thing what came up uh, to my mind is 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 that mafia was ruling the the Slovakia in nineties. It was the wild, wild uh times uh because we we didn't know how to handle the freedom you know in in 1989 we've got the velvet revolution here uh we send commies back to russia i'm sorry but uh you know um uh it's uh it it was interesting period of time and i was as a kid i was kind of feeling the the influence of of mafia here uh and but i'm happy that it's all past uh but that that learning of what freedom means and what business making business uh, means uh, it was a learning process, right? So that that's, I, mean, I, I think that that's 
quite influential uh, for for everyone uh, who is doing who is being entrepreneur in in uh, the Eastern Bloc of Europe. That we've got this all the sudden freedom, and you could do business, and you have to learn what you can actually do. Uh, so, and then, yeah. and it's it, it's you know I don't know if we from being you know U.S. based can really under appreciate that right because we've been free for a long time. And it's like to say, hey, you can't do this, 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 and this. And all of a sudden, one year they're like, hey, you can do whatever you want. You're like, anything? Wait a second, what? And so it's like, I think that just the the magnitude of that, of like being freed at a certain point and then going through that whole process to where the your country is today, I think is phenomenal, right? I don't know. It's like you were talking about this. I could see, you know, I see video, obviously, there's a podcast. Nobody can see your video. But like you really thinking about like that was a huge impact. It had to have been, right? I mean, it's like you went from like, wait a second, now I can do anything. Like it, this is, this is pretty amazing. And from the entrepreneurial mindset, which is like, Hey, what, you know, like, wow, this is the world's my oyster. I can do whatever. I can only imagine as a kid growing up, you're like, wait a second, this is a, this is a whole new country. This is awesome. So that's yeah. cool. I mean, we wouldn't be talking with you today if that hadn't happened. Right. I mean, I think that's such, such a pivotal event. That's pretty awesome. Exactly. Exactly. And- and then you said that you, you moved back in 2016. So where did you, did you go off to college? Like, tell me about that journey. Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I started to study in, in, in my city here in Bratislava, uh, media communication, but I was not really happy. Uh, I was not challenged enough. Yeah. And I was always intrigued by, by the Scandinavian culture and society. So, so I decided to, to, to study in, in Denmark, in Copenhagen. I started to study innovation and operation management. Uh, and it was it was a great great experience. I, I lived there for about a year, uh, and I learned a lot. Uh, it was very very practical. Uh, I would say that it was. I can compare it with also American college. I was then later I was studying in in West Virginia University, and I can compare the different approach of connecting the educational or theoretical. Uh, life into the practical professional life, and uh, and it's very interesting how how my school in Denmark were approaching and pushing the innovation um, because I was studying innovation management, so we were dealing a lot of a lot with startups, and the government is supporting the innovations and startups extremely. Like I mean, they they have piles of funds. And, and money waiting to to invest so into awesome. innovation. And when it comes to US, I mean, it's all private, right? So yeah. you know, when, I, when I was studying in US, I was also working for Innovation Center uh, in West Virginia University. And it was one of a few uh, innovation centers in the United States where actually when the, when the student came with the idea, we helped them with a certain resources to build his or her startup and he could he or she could take or keep or could keep a hundred percent of the equity. I know that some universities, if you come up with the idea uh, during your research at the University of the United States, it's not yours, right? So, so this is this is quite a different approach how you how you how you look at innovation. And I, how you I love that. I love the fact that the that the government was is supporting startups because it's, startups are not easy. You know that firsthand, right? We both know that firsthand. Startups are not easy, and the any kind of support that you can get, we don't have millions of dollars to go throw into something. And if you have millions of dollars, that means you have a VC, you have a private 
equity fund that is going to absolutely change the way that you do things and you're not going to be able your vote goes down to 49%, they get 51%. It just, you know, it's not always the deal. But the thing is, is you start to give up what you've built, right? And there's some, there's some value to that. But then there's also the other side of it, you're giving up part of what you've built, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that there is a lot of um, uh, the government's actually supporting that because that really is, I think that's absolutely key, you know, to be able to say, hey, listen, how can we get you to this stage and then get you to this stage and get you to this stage? Um, I love that. I love that. So you guys sounds like in, in West Virginia. So how long were you in West Virginia for? It was uh, one and a half year, I think one year. Uh, was over one year, one and a half year. So I was first I was studying there. Then I was an intern for uh, for this innovation center. Then I was working there for like half a year. Uh, then certain things happened. I had to I had to come back to or leave the United States. Uh, but it was also really interesting because what, what what we were doing in that innovation center that we were trying we were trying to squeeze ideas. Uh, from students. Uh, I don't know if you know, but West Virginia University, they, there is a lot of engineers uh, mm. studying there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they were the ones who discovered uh, uh, the Volkswagen diesel gate scandal. So, ah. so they, have, they, have, they have quite a good uh, engineering students. Uh, so what we were doing, we were squeezing, we were trying to nudge them to find problems in their surroundings and find a solution which would be... Uh, good for for market which would be good to commercialize and we were then matching the the engineers uh the technical minds with the business minds from the from the business mm. uh from the mba program and uh and yeah, it was it was very interesting and and that that thing taught me one really important lesson that if you are starting a business uh in the technology space you always need to have the technology mind and business mind those are the two key elements of starting a technology startup. And, and that's the hardest thing to find, right? You've got the idea or, you know, then you don't have somebody that can actually implement your ideas, right? It becomes very difficult to find. I know there's a lot of places where they try to merge the two. Hey, I'm business, I'm this, I've got the idea, I've got marketing, but hey, I don't have the tech skills or engineering skills or whatever that mm-hmm. is to bring the ideas together. Um, do you think, I mean, I would have to imagine that what you've learned there in West Virginia um, and you, what you learned in college probably helped you be able to make a successful company because you said, hey, I understand that it takes two sides of this thing and how we bring these together. And you probably saw quite a few use cases where you needed to, that needed to happen. Yes. I mean, um, even before when I was trying to launch some, some startup ideas, I always had the challenge. I was always the business mind. And I, I had a big challenge to find the software developers to, to actually build at least MVP. So it was very hard to convince someone to work for equity. So for nothing, yeah. right? And, uh, and I think that, that this kind of matchmaking platform, I don't know if, if it exists, maybe yes. I think, I think that everything exists already. <laughs> it just depends how well it's executed. Uh, so this is, this, is, this is a big struggle to find, find your soulmate. Um, yeah. And that's, that, you hit the nail on the head. It's like your soulmate. Like, how do you, like, how, you know, it's already hard to find, you know, a wife or a husband out there, right? I mean, but you're, when you're talking about a business partner, that's what you're looking for. Like, it ha- you're trying to, you're, you've got an idea and you've got to find that engineer that understands what you got going on there. And that 
all the moons have to align, all the stars need to align and it needs to happen. And that's why, that's why a lot of startups don't make it because it's just, once again, it's very hard to find that the, the amount of stress and things that you go through during that time, um, whether it's pivoting, whether it's COVID, whether whatever that is, it's hard. Right. And I think a lot of people, we know this as, 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 you know, as entrepreneurs, it's like, it's not easy. Right. I mean, it is not an easy, easy path. And to be able to be successful in that, um, it takes a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of getting punched in the face and a lot of this and a lot of that and, you know, bootstrapping and all the different things that happen. And, but all the things that we've learned through the years is the foundation for what we've built today. So that kind of leads me into, I want to talk about what you guys have built, man. I mean, you guys have gone from zero to 4,000 plus um, clients in, in just about four years. You guys started up in what, 2016, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, what, tell, us, tell us what you got going on there. Because I mean, once again, that's, I mean, from zero to 4,000 is, is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I mean, how did you guys start? And it's, it's Contentino, right? That's how you say it. Contentino, we've, we've actually looked at it and obviously worked with you guys in the past and was thoroughly impressed. That's how we got you on the podcast today because I, I was impressed with what you guys had built there. Um, tell us a little bit about it, like how you guys started. Like, give us a little backstory. So, so we started um, as an internal tool for one of the leading Central European advertising agencies. So it came purely from a need of, of the advertising agency called Triad. And, and they've got this challenge that, all right, we, we are working, uh, we are creating quite a good content for social media for our clients, but it's the whole process. It's pain in the ass. When, when you think Broken. about it, you have several people in the agency working for one client, creating content, idea makers, copywriters, graphic designers, art directors. They need to collaborate somehow. But what was the most challenging part was the approval process uh, with the clients. So, so, so using emails, Excel sheets, uh, WhatsApp messaging, phone calls, uh, it, it was creating a lot of errors, a lot of, a lot of confusion. So... So they have decided, okay, we have some software developers in-house. It's summer. There is not much work for them to do, right? They've got some free, free time. So let's create an MVP, which will solve this collaboration approval problem with our clients. Uh, so they built the MVP. They, they've been using it for, for two years. Uh, the clients were happy. And, um, and uh, then they... St- offered it to, to some of the friendly agencies, the, the, the other agencies uh, uh, within the market, and, uh, and they liked it. So, so they've got some kind of easy or light proof of concept. And, uh, and they were finding or looking for a person who would, who would actually build it, meaning start to sell it. Uh, and launch it to the market, and uh, because they 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 were thinking like, okay, there's more agencies with the same with the same problem same as issues. we have. Oh, for sure. Let, let's let's try to sell it, right? So so, accidentally, I came. Uh, I somehow got in touch with with the founders uh, uh, of Tried of the advertising agency. Uh, the, the funny thing is that when I got back from the United States. Uh, I've got aspirations that I will work for McKenzie, Boston Consulting Group, and, and these <laughs> big guys. So I was pre- preparing for interviews, uh, which were held in Prague. And, uh, and well, I, I didn't pass. So I completely failed those interviews. Uh, and I was, I was kind of down on moods. I was traveling back, in, uh, back to Bratislava by train. And I was just like, okay, what I, what I got to do? I mean, I need to do something. So, so... So I texted, uh, I, I posted on Facebook that, hey, guys, I'm back. 
if, if you know something something i could do something interesting yeah. maybe advertising help, help agency maybe account management yeah, yeah so 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 help me out and my friend texted me that dude we are, we are looking for for an account manager so i came there for an interview for account manager and when i was having this interview um Mark, who is the, the founder of uh, the Tried Advertising and also Contentino, he told me like, hey, we have, we've got this MVP here. Do you want to try out? Do you want to try to, to sell it? And I, to be honest, I didn't want to do it because it was for me that time, it was another social media tool. And yeah. I was thinking, why, why would someone buy it when you have Buffer, Hootsuite, Sprout Social? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not right. McKinsey. You were looking at like, hey, I was supposed to be here and now you're asking me to do this down here in your eyes. Yeah, so, so well, well, it, it was kind of funny because in the, mean, in the meanwhile, I, I also got hired in one telecommunication company here uh, doing a marketing intern. But it was March 2016 and the internship start, was supposed to start in September. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to gonna do i'm gonna work for contentino for a bit just as an intern just try it out they gave me a stupid silly low salary like like peanuts and, and i'm like okay i just i just need to keep myself busy so so i was i was working on contentino in, in march april may and what i wanted to figure it out those first two or three months working on contentino is that why would people buy it I, 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 didn't, I didn't know what is our, our unique selling proposition, what's the differentiation. And, and then we cracked it. Uh, we were missing those important words, which are collaboration and approvals. Those are the pains we are solving. So we were looking for pains. And once I got this one and I took a look at different other tools, no one of them had it. So I'm like, okay, let's let let's let's keep working on this one. I, I called that uh, telecommunication company uh, where I was supposed to start as an intern in September. That no, I'm not going to take the internship. Actually, I got hooked uh, by Contentino, and since then, it's a it's a hell of a ride. That's awesome. So it sounds like I mean, because if you really think about it, what you figured out was. Buffer and everything is is great for posting the content, right? But that they don't take care of the approval and the the collaboration, which is the hard part, right? I mean, that's yeah. like how do you get to the the scheduling part? That the scheduling part's easy. You can learn software and you can go and do that. It's the approval process when you have three people on this side of the company and then three people on this side and that whole thing going back and forth. The collaboration of that. If anybody's done that, which I'm sure a lot of the people listening to the podcast have, I know firsthand that when you jump in the middle of that. It is a cluster. If you don't have some kind of organization, and I'm, you know, I, and I'm not talking about emails because emails are. I don't need 17 more emails or 17,000 more emails on a daily basis. Like being able to do that and taking that headache away, um, once again, it, is super key. And so, you know, what were some of the what were some of the challenges that you guys dealt with? I mean, it sounds like because it sounds like the really the the thing for you guys was hey the collaboration and the approval like that. That's everybody's headache. And so if we can come up with a solution for that. Um, what else did you guys find? What other challenges did you guys find? Because it sounds like it was like three months or four months that you're like, you cracked it quick. Like, that's just not normal. Like, usually it's not, you don't crack anything for a long time. Like, you got to get punched in the face a lot more. You got to, you know, be homeless. You got to live in your car. Like, it sounds like that happened pretty fast. And you're obviously an intelligent guy. So give us a little, like, what, what were some other things that happened there? Well, well, I, well, I think that we are quite fortunate. We, we didn't really have downs yet. I mean, it sounds crazy, I know, but it was, it was I, I would say it was kind of a steady growth 
we were having, we don't have any investors. We bootstrapped, we cash positive. Uh, so, so when I think about the beginnings, uh, the, the biggest challenge is always to find talent. And we still yeah. face this challenge, especially in, 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 in countries like Slovakia. You know, in, in the United States, you have a pool of millions of talented people, right? Uh, in Slovakia, we are a country of uh, 5 million people, right? And you are yeah. looking for... So and, and, when it comes to, and when it comes to uh, software as a service, uh, we have maybe 10 companies who are dealing with software as a service. And we, when you are hiring uh, some senior person into into your company, you are hiring someone who has some kind of experience with software as a service. So yeah. where do you find these people? So, so they get a job anywhere. The, they have 10 people that are banging on their door at any point. Yes, to yeah, we are stealing each other, uh, the, the talent, yeah. I would say. But, but actually what we did, uh, to be honest, we never hired a senior person in our company. We, we are a company of juniors. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now we are 20 uh, in-house uh, in-house employees and and uh, all of them started from the ground as juniors and they they basically made them they basically made it on on top by themselves by 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 the help of the organization by the help of the team but they they learned everything from the ground up and uh, and that's something what I really admire about about our team that they they are really really passionate and smart uh to learn something without the resources that they would have some some experienced team leader uh teaching them all of the knowledge right and i think that's you know it's you i always fight with that because it's like you want the person that's scrappy and grinds and that treats the startup like their startup and is willing to learn outside of that and you know really have to kind of grind it out and then you'll get to a point in, in the startup career where you're like, maybe I need somebody to help advise that's done this before that's had those, those successes. So I, I love the fact when you, when you give people the opportunity internally in-house to be able to grow with a company. I think there's huge value there. And it also builds um, you know, trust and it builds support within the mm-hmm. community, right? Because it's very easy when you hire the big dog over here and then all of a sudden they leave in three months and then the, you know, they're, they're always looking for the better deal. But the person that's grinded it out from you from the beginning and you've you know, given them better pay and you've given them better situations and put them in a better position, there's obviously going to be people that are going to be more loyal to you. So mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I mean, it's, um, and you guys are at 20 people right now, man. That, that's awesome. And you guys are what? You guys have what, about 4,000 clients right now? Yeah. Yeah. M- more than 4,000. It could be 4,500 4, already. I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what about, so if we've got any entrepreneurs, which we do, I've got a lot of, a good amount of entrepreneurs that listen to the, to the podcast. What advice would you give them about starting their own company? Cause you know, I'm not saying you guys didn't work hard cause I know that you guys did work hard, but you guys, that was quick, man. Like you guys were like, I mean, you're like the epitome, like very p- few people say, well, within three months we cracked the thing and we were cash positive. We didn't have to take any VC money and good things happen. Now I know that's hard work and there's always a little bit of luck that sprinkled in, you know, when that happens. Um, but what would you, I mean, what would you say, like from being an entrepreneur, like saying, Hey, listen, one thing that, that, that I learned early on was this, that somebody can, you know, a good takeaway for somebody. Well, we, we didn't crack the code within three months. We just realized uh, okay. those two keywords we needed to use, right? Uh, gotcha. so we realized what is our unique, unique selling proposition, right? So it took us actually two years to, to become profitable, right? Uh, so, but, but when it comes to beginning, the very, very beginning of, of, of this journey, 
Uh, idea is worth nothing. It's all about execution. It's a, it's a well-known, well-known fact. You are being, you, you are waking up with plenty of ideas, but uh, the winners are the ones who can execute it better. So, so what I would, what I would advise at the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, uh, don't overthink, don't, don't plan, just, just execute, 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 test, 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 and, and, and do experiments as fast as possible and, and, and learn on your own mistakes. I mean, there's no uh, golden rule or general rule that if you're going to do this, this is going to happen, that you're going to be successful. Uh, I think every single business, it's, it. It's it's different. It has its specifics, and uh, the faster you do these experiments, and the faster really realizing what is working for you specifically, the more more successful you're gonna be. So, yeah, execute, think, execute, execute. Yeah, I think that's the things. I think a lot of people what they do is they read a book, and the person says, "Hey, do this." No, this is gonna be what my agency can do. You know, at the end of the day, the only way that you're, you can guarantee to not be successful is just not to execute, not to make it happen, right? And it doesn't need to be perfect. And I think a lot of people get in that mindset of, it's not perfect. Like, I don't want to launch it because it's not perfect. And it, guess what? It'll never be perfect. Ever exactly. be perfect. Like, like, ever, 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 ever. So it, you'll always have to change it and do things. And I think that's what, what people get nervous about with anything, with doing videos, with doing, you know, like whatever it is, it's like you have to start. And that's mm -hmm. my big thing is like, you know, my buddy Brian's always like, you got to press the button. It's, it's got to happen. You, nobody will know about your software if you don't launch at some point. And if you've been spending three years on your software trying to get it perfect, I'm, I'm here to, to give you the bad news that it'll never be perfect. And nobody will ever know about it if you don't launch. Like that's the key to the whole thing. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. have to be perfect. That's doesn't. Um, doesn't. 100%, 100%. You're waiting for it to be perfect. You're going to die with that software in your hand because then nobody will know that it was great or bad or sucked or didn't suck or whatever the deal was. Because once again, you failed to launch and failure to launch means that nobody's going to know. Thanks, Bo. It's been great getting to know what it took to build and grow Contentino into a successful social media management tool. While we'll wrap up this segment here, we'll be back soon with another great conversation. In the next episode, we'll discuss tips on streamlining workflows for brands and agencies. In the meantime, if you need help improving your social media marketing strategy, you can reach out to my team at SheenBarker.com. We'll help you boost your visibility and increase your ROI.